What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content gets posted out over there. These podcasts, articles, Twitter threads, everything is all in one place. Please do go check me out over on Twitter. We are going to be doing our pretty standard show today. I know we mixed things up a little bit yesterday. We took a look at the schedule for this week, see where we can maybe gain an advantage with a guy playing seven or eight games as opposed to a guy playing five or six games. So we talked about the teams that have a really big advantage this week. There were five of them, and there was, I think, maybe eight teams that played only five games. So we went through those ones. If you guys missed it, that's one of the more important episodes I think we're going to do this year. So I do recommend going back and listening to yesterday's if you haven't. But we'll be returning more towards our regular show today. So we'll look back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll comb through the waiver wire. We'll see who's being added, who's being dropped. And then I will talk about one matchup tonight that I am really going to be interested in. The first thing I do want to say, though, is, and I did mention this yesterday as well, is I was at the Blue Jay game yesterday, and I saw Boba Shett hit that home run. This guy has honestly been unbelievable. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw what happened, but he got hit like it looked like it was in the face. I didn't look too closely at the replays. It either hit him like in the brim of the helmet or maybe in the forehead area of the helmet, but it was like coming right at his face. He was really heated. Obviously, it was a big shit show. Uh, Barrios got sent back out when nobody really thought he was going to come back out and he just beamed a batter, which was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of funny. And then it just went back and forth. It's probably not going to be a very friendly series here these next couple of days. But Boba Shett, in that next at bat after getting hit in the face, launches a two run home run, which gave the Blue Jays the victory yesterday. And this seems to happen whenever I go to a Jays game. I was at the game last year when Springer hit that home run against Boston, that big home run. Uh, I was like the eighth inning and it was a big comeback. And I was there on opening day when we had the big comeback. I feel like I'm uh, a bit of a good luck charm for these Blue Jays. So I should probably be going to more games here down the stretch. But Boba Shett. Just unbelievable production over his last month. We've talked about him a lot on the show, but for the last month, which is 108 at-bats, it's not a small sample size. He's batting 370 with seven homers. He scored 20 runs. He's knocked in 23, and he's stolen a couple of bases as well. Now, for the season, he's only got nine steals. That's probably the biggest complaint with Bo, specifically with him heating up like this. The other stats are probably going to be pretty similar to what we were expecting and what we got last year. He's got 24 home runs. He had 29 last season. He's got 82 runs where he had 121 last season, which is something he's not going to attain. That was just a crazy high total. But he had 87 RBIs, or he has 87 RBIs to his 102 from last season. He could catch up to that number. He could hit the 100 RBI total pretty easily if he keeps this up over these last few weeks. And I mentioned this last week a couple times. I was expecting next season to be able to get Boba probably in the third round. That's probably where he was going to be falling, depending on league size. I think probably pick 30, 35-ish was generally the area. Now I think it's pretty much guaranteed he's going to be going in the first two rounds. Uh, that discount is pretty much entirely gone with Bo, but he is, I mean, I, I've said this as well, I'll take the trade-off as a Toronto fan, but it just kind of sucks as a big-time fantasy player that we won't be able to be getting Bo, you know, a couple of rounds later than what we would have hoped for so we'll take the production. He'll win a lot of people their leagues this year because he is truly like the hottest player in baseball. But that does kind of stink uh, just looking ahead to next year, which I'm starting to do here a little bit on the show. We're not doing it so much, but every now and again, we'll just talk about a player. I try and do it most days over these last couple of weeks, even just a couple of guys, just to start throwing out roughly where we're going to be looking at ADPs next season. Uh, just, you know, early speculation. It's nothing set in stone. But we did have uh, Rob DiPietro on last week talking about some projected ADPs. We're starting to move towards that territory. 
So I think it's, it makes sense to start thinking about it, especially with Bo. I think he's going to be a top 20 pick, specifically with what he's done here in these last, um, I guess it's been more than a month now. It's been maybe five or six weeks where Bo has just been ridiculous. But specifically these last couple of weeks, he's been the hottest player in baseball. So good on you if you drafted him and held on to him and didn't try and trade him and just you know get back something. I know a couple people, a guy in my home league traded him earlier in the year for Jose Altuve and just not the greatest move. But you know things like that, you can kind of understand it's not looking like it's going to turn out in his favor at this point, but it's just something where you probably should have just held on with Bo. It was it was frustrating. It was it's been a frustrating season as a fantasy manager and as a Blue Jay fan to watch him, but he's really made up for it here. So we'll move on and we'll talk about the guy who was actually the number one highest scoring player from yesterday, and it was Framber Valdez. He threw a complete game shutout against Detroit. He struck out eight. He allowed one walk and he gave up six hits. Framber Valdez. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and I think it just really flies under the radar. Uh, he should be getting Cy Young votes. Whether he will or not, I'm sure he'll get some down-ballot votes, but he should be more in consideration for the top spot, I really do think. Especially with injuries to Verlander and to McClanahan, the way that he's been able to keep up his dominance here and you know keep that Houston rotation together to some degree, I think that he really should get some consideration. Now, is he going to win? Does he have any chance of winning? I'd say... Hell no. There's no way that Framber Valdez is going to win the Cy Young, but he really should be given more consideration than he is. I just want to take a quick look at where we sit uh, currently in the betting race right now. Yeah, he's plus 10,000 to win uh, to win the Cy Young. There's, there's no chance he's going to win it. He really should be somewhere a little bit higher. I think he's one, two, three, four, five. He's a sixth right now. I guess if he finished sixth in voting, that would be pretty okay, but it doesn't even feel like it's justified for what his season has been. He's got a 250 ERA. 15 wins he's striking out just shy of a batter per inning but it's just the way he's been so dominant really the entire year specifically down the stretch but I mean I think it's 25 consecutive quality starts for Framber Valdez it's I don't I don't have like a history record book thing in front of me but like in terms of consecutive quality starts it's got to be like pretty high up there Uh, this season for sure he's been one of the best values you could have possibly drafted post pick 100 He's returned value inside the top 40 at this point. And, you know, we talked about Bo being the hottest bat in baseball. I think, you know, Framber Valdez is arguably he's one of the one of the hottest pitchers in all of baseball. For the last month, a 167 ERA, 41 strikeouts and in 37 innings. He's won four games. Um, he's won actually, if you look back here, one, two, three, four, five, six of his last seven starts, he has come away with a victory. That's incredible. Fantasy playoff hero for Framber Valdez. Same thing with Bo. These guys are going to be winning you your championships. And with Bo, you might have expected that a little bit earlier in the year. Framber Valdez, I don't think a lot of people would have expected that he would be winning you championships. But obviously, it's great stuff. I think that he should get some more love and probably finish as a top five Cy Young guy. I think that he should be at least fifth. Uh, he's just been, he's been that good. Let's talk about Alex Cobb, and I am, I'm so glad that Alex Cobb turned his season around. You would have never really expected it earlier on. He was just really brutal. He, he had a horrible first half. It was really, we've talked about this at length on podcasts, articles, Twitter threads. Alex Cobb was the most unlucky player in baseball with his batting average on balls and play luck. He wasn't straining any base runners, but he has really turned it around over the last month. He has a 175 ERA, uh, 36 innings pitched, and he has struck out 33 batters. He's come away with three wins in that time, which is important because for the season, he only has six. So starting to get wins there, that is a huge piece of his value if he can start to get even a couple of them. 
I mean, the strikeouts, he can probably sustain value there with the strikeouts and the ratios. But, you know, those wins obviously don't grow on trees. You want to be looking for guys who have more of a chance of getting wins. We've talked about this as well throughout the season. You'll take more of a fringier guy on a, on a better team as opposed to a better guy, maybe on a worse team. Uh, it varies case by case, but those wins are, are a very important category. And if he's starting to get them more here now, obviously that would be a huge piece for his value down the stretch. Now, his next start is going to be on Sunday against the Dodgers. He's not at that rate or for that uh, situation there, excuse me, I don't think that I would say he's a must-start player. Obviously, it's going to be different uh, league to league, but if you're in a head-to-head category league, which is what I mostly focus on here, I'll say what I've said pretty much going into every Sunday of the season is know, know your categories, know what you need. If you're not worried about ERA and you just need wins and strikeouts, then he's fine to throw out there. If you're already set for wins and strikeouts and you just need to keep the ratios down, he's probably a little bit risky going up against the Dodgers on what could be your championship Sunday, either a semifinal or a final, maybe a quarterfinal if it's a a league that ends on the last day of the season. But it's going to be a very, very important start there. As good as he's been, that one might be a little bit too tricky for me. Depending on league size, right, in 15s, you probably have to start him there. Uh, 12s and 10s, I think you have a little bit more wiggle room with Alex Cobb, specifically for that start. So I love what he's done. He should be on rosters, but that one... It's going to be a little bit tricky. Now, if this is your championship week and you've decided, looking at this matchup, that you don't want to start him on Sunday, that would be your last start for him for the year, essentially. If this is your final week, then there's no point in holding on to him. And that argument can apply to pretty much everybody in these last couple weeks. So a starting pitcher in your final week, even if it's, you know, Dylan Cease or somebody, if their last start is on the Wednesday and you got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then you can you can feel free to drop him. Uh, I know it would feel weird to do that, but you open up a roster spot for a guy who has no chance of playing for you again. It's something that not a lot of people do. It's something that you see here and there. Uh, but the last week of the season, you should be very, very liberal with your drops. You can be literally, uh, specifically in, in terms of starting pitches, as soon as they've had their last start, then get him out of there. If you have a, you know, you're heading into your final weekend and there's a relief pitcher you have who's pitched three of the last four days, then maybe you think about dropping them because they're likely not going to be doing much for you that weekend. Maybe if it's a closer, then it's a little bit more understandable because they will probably have a chance for a save over the course of a weekend. But if you're looking at one of those guys who I've been a huge fan of, even, you know, Jason Adam, who gave up that home run yesterday to Bichette or Andres Munoz or Johan Duran, if it's the last couple days of the season and they're already been pitching, they're probably not going to be getting any saves for you. You'd be having them in there for an inning and maybe two strikeouts. So you got to just weigh the pros and the cons before you set your lineups here um, pretty much every time over these last couple of weeks, specifically if you are in your championships. Because there's a lot of guys you can cut that you probably wouldn't think that you should be able to, but that is that is the case. There are guys who are expendable. So let's keep it going here with another pitcher from yesterday, Ryan Nelson. I was pretty nervous about him, man, coming into this start against the Dodgers, but he threw six innings, shutout innings, I might add, giving up two hits, two walks, and striking out six. He only threw 81 pitches. It was very impressive stuff out of Ryan Nelson. His next start is going to be against the Padres, and it's on Saturday. It's a similar situation with Cobb. Know your categories. Know what you need. It's a bit of a risky one. I know San Diego has not been the greatest team recently, but I'm not... 
thinking that it's a must-start, despite a couple of really strong outings here to start off his career. I don't think that he is a must-start kind of player. Now, I've heard guys who I respect quite a bit talking about, um, guys who really know the minor leagues talking about Ryan Nelson. And they like him a lot more than I would have thought, just based on looking at his numbers. Like in, in AAA this season, he had a 543 ERA. He's a top 100 prospect, but he didn't do very well in AAA. So you typically see... Not the greatest adjustment when a guy struggles in AAA. He has done very well here, though, in the majors. So I think that deeper leagues, you can probably add him up for that Padres start, even though it is a bit of a risk. I would weigh your your options, and I'd weigh the different uh, categories and seeing you know specifically what you need. And he's a guy who can rack up some strikeouts. If you do just need some Ks, then he might be a guy to go for. But there is a chance San Diego could get to him. It's only going to be his third career start. So you need to you need to really be careful and know uh, the pros and cons before you start really anybody, but specifically a guy who's only had a couple starts. And granted, they've gone well, but, you know, zero earned runs in his first two starts. I hate to say it, and there's nothing scientific about it, but he's kind of due to give up a couple runs here. So just keep all those factors in mind before, uh, you, before you set your lineups and before you make your ads and your drops because people are starting to add him up. Not that I'm opposed to it, but I definitely would have a plan and be very careful if you are. Let's keep it going now with our waiver wire portion of the show where I'll just go through the most added and dropped players today across fantasy. The number one added player is Dean Kramer. He's been added up for his start today against the Nationals. The last time he appeared, it was in relief of Tyler Wells against Toronto. So from what I understand, they just wanted to give Wells a shorter outing. Essentially, Kramer still was the starter, even though he didn't pitch the first inning. He went five and a third. Um, So their plan was just to ease Wells back in, and they didn't want to have him come in in relief, from what I understand. But Kramer will be taking the hill today against the Nationals, and I do understand why he is being added up ahead of everybody else. There's probably one other guy I would prefer to be adding, but he is a little bit more rostered. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, Dean Kramer has put together a really solid body of work over this last month plus. Uh, If you're looking specifically over the last month, uh, 31 and a third innings, a 2.3 ERA and a 1.05 whip to go along with 22 strikeouts. Now, the strikeouts are not going to typically be there with him very much. You might get five, you might get six, but typically, I mean, anywhere in that four to six range with him is pretty much uh, status quo. So that's probably what you're going to get. You're probably going to get five or six innings, but it's against the Nationals. You have a pretty decent chance of getting a victory there. There's actually a few, uh, quite a few good streamers today, so I think that he is probably one or two, probably number two, I'd say, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but I don't have any problem with adding up a few of these guys who we're going to be mentioning here. The next guy is Hunter Brown, and we've talked about him. He'll be starting today against Detroit. I had hoped that he will be getting uh, a two-step this week, but I believe it'll be Framber Valdez pitching on Sunday. But Hunter Brown, regardless, he needs to be added up here. It's the Tigers. It's matchup heaven. And we saw Hunter Brown in his first start take care of Texas. Uh, six shutout innings, striking out five. He is somebody that I would be very, very comfortable in adding up here. He should be rostered in most leagues, I'd say. Even regardless of the start here against Detroit, it's obviously just gravy, but I think that he would have been a, an ad regardless of who he was pitching. So go ahead and get Hunter Brown while you still can. 44% rostered. Dean Kramer currently sitting at 30% rostered. So... If you can, go for Brown, but Kramer's probably going to be a little more widely available, specifically in competitive leagues. Let's move on here to Jose Leclerc. He has gotten a couple saves in a row now for the Rangers, and it's the time of year where we've talked about this a lot. If you just need to get saves, those are the kind of guys where you might just be adding them for two, three days while they have the role. Now, he has gotten, I think, the last 
four, three or four save opportunities. So this is probably something that will last at least a little while longer. I don't know what their plan is exactly for the rest of the season, but I think he's probably the top option right now for saves in that bullpen. I wouldn't think it's set in stone that he is the closer. I don't think we've had like official announcements. Uh, he's been pretty solid in the second half, and you'd imagine he'd stay in that role. So I, I'm pretty okay with an ad. But the whole, you know, guys getting closer roles at this time of year, guys who are not the greatest overall. I mean, he's had a good season, but you kind of have to be careful, and they might mix it around with a manager. This is, you know, if you're going to be adding him up, then you should probably be following, like, some Rangers beat writers and just keeping really in tabs on, is he going to be the guy going forward consistently? Right now, he is, but uh, teams like this, sometimes it doesn't take a lot for the manager to switch out uh, the closer role and put in somebody else. They're not playing for anything, so maybe they'll just let him go out there. I think he's worthy of an ad, but another guy that I wouldn't be afraid to drop if there's another guy that comes in and gets a save. He's done pretty well, but he's not like going to be a crazy high value, I don't think. He can get you a few saves, but how many saves is Texas really going to get? It's hard to say. He's just gotten a couple in a row, so there will likely be a couple of days off. You have to kind of weigh your options with Jose Leclerc. I think he's a pretty decent ad, uh, and in terms of closers, in terms of save opportunities right now, He's probably the guy. I just don't – I wouldn't expect it to last the end of the year, especially if your league is just in the first round of the playoffs right now. I wouldn't expect him to be a guy for the next three weeks, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, and maybe it does last to the rest of the season. I'm just a little nervous that they'll swap him out and go for somebody else. But right now, if you need the saves, he's probably the guy to be adding. Another starter here who has been added up is Bailey Falter. Now, we talked about this last week after his start against Miami. You could probably have dropped him – and then picked him up again for this start. You could have held on to, depending on you know what your needs were last week and how desperate you were. But Bailey Falter has done a pretty damn good job here over the last month, 23 and two-thirds innings. He has won four games in that time, 18 strikeouts, which is whatever, but a 2.66 ERA, .89 whip. That's all excellent stuff. Miami is a really great matchup, and I think I would, I'd say he's the number three guy here in terms of streams for tonight. Depends on where you want to put Jose Suarez in that mix. I think Jose Suarez is pretty close with him, although his matchup is not quite as good. He has been, I think, a bit stronger over the course of the season. So probably 3A and 3B there with Falter and Jose Suarez um, against Cleveland tonight. Those guys, those four guys are the main streams that I'm seeing here. Uh, Kramer, Hunter Brown, Bailey Falter, and Jose Suarez. Yesterday we talked about Michael Kopech. If you can get him for his two-step, I would do it. Colorado and Detroit. I don't think he's going to be available in too many leagues. He's at 77% rostered right now. But if you can go get Kopech, he's still somebody that I would uh, definitely think about here. Eduardo Escobar is another guy being added. We've talked about a lot of these guys that I'm going to be mentioning here, so I won't spend too much time. We'll do kind of quick hits. Eduardo Escobar has been ridiculous over the last month. It's only 56 at-bats for him, but he's had 21 hits and five homers. You shorten that down over the last two weeks. He's batting 457. He's just been on a complete tear in a really strong lineup. So Eduardo Escobar, to go along with that eligibility across the infield, he's been on fire. I'd be thinking about adding him up if you need a little bit of extra help in the infield. Bubba Thompson, he's also a guy who should be added. I think he's a strong, strong candidate for steals. Obviously, uh, the last three games total, he has five steals. Well, I guess it's four games. Technically, it's three days. They'd have that doubleheader. He's been, he's been outrageous. 12 steals over his last month, which is 83 at-bats. He's not giving you a hell of a lot of other stats. Uh, he's probably not somebody who's going to have 
a lot of fantasy value like for next year and years on he's probably going to be a specific steel streaming guy maybe he'll get drafted a bit next year because of this hot end to it to the season this year and I think that he should be added absolutely I just worry you know going forward a little bit is he going to get a lot of playing time even if he does is he going to be much of a contributor outside of steals I'm not sure but right now there's no better add if you are in need of strictly steals with decent batting average he's batting 288 I wouldn't expect that to really hold up. He strikes out a hell of a lot. But all you really care about at this point is steals. Specifically, if you're in Roto and you're behind, he is definitely the dude to go and grab up. For sure. Like this, That one is not even a question in terms of the speed. He's one of the fastest guys in all of baseball. So 26% rostered. He should be available. Uh, go and take a look at Bubba Thompson. A couple of guys here that I mentioned yesterday, both from my article, they're both being added, Elvis Andrews and uh, Lane Thomas. They're both really strong ads. I think Thomas is a bit more of a deeper league guy, whereas Elvis Andrews can be more of an everyday kind of player right now. I think Thomas is probably a 15-team league guy, and Andrews, I think, could be anywhere 12, I think 12, 10 leagues even. I mean, 10 might be a bit of a stretch, but 12 and deeper for Elvis Andrews. I think that he's absolutely a must-roster player right now. He's leading off for a lineup in the White Sox that has kind of seen a resurgence recently. I, I would really take a look at him uh, before you before you make your decisions on who to add in terms of shortstops anyway. If this guy is available, the next guy we'll talk about, then I would be adding him up first, but I doubt he is. That's O'Neill Cruz. He's jumped up to 64% rostered. The dude has been elite over these last few weeks. He's got the power stroke going. We haven't seen so many steals recently, but we know it's in him. He's got seven on the season and 250 at-bats. I don't know why he's still so available. He's only 64% rostered. Go ahead and get yourself some O'Neill Cruz. We talked about the schedule yesterday. Now, he did sit yesterday, which kind of sucks, but there's still seven games left in the week for him, and we are at Tuesday. So that's obviously going to be a bit of a boost over your average pickup for the rest of the week. So take a look at uh, O'Neill Cruz. Let's go and move on to the drops. Reed Detmers is the most dropped player today. He gave up four runs yesterday on five innings or in five innings. It has not been a very impressive stretch for him over the last month for him, which is 19 innings. He's got a 5.68 ERA. I am not really so sold on him right now. I do think long-term, I still like him. Uh, but right now, it's going to be a little bit hard to send him out there. It's just He's kind of lost our confidence. And just looking at his next start, it should come against the Mariners. Might be a little bit tricky for him. It will be at home against the Mariners, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's at home. It might be a bit of a struggle for Reed Detmers to have value there. You might want to get ahead of the curve and drop him. He hasn't been striking out a lot of batters. He's been giving up a lot of hard contact. It's just not been a fun ride here for Reed. So he's down to 37% roster at points. I thought that he was a must-roster player this year, and, and he was. But we kind of have to move on from that now and pick up one of those other guys that we've mentioned. It's just not been great, and you can't really afford to have him work it out over these last couple weeks on your roster. Mike Miners, the next guy being dropped, no surprise there. He gave up, uh, what was it, three homers, six runs. Only four of them were earned, though, but this was against the Pirates. He was, I, I guess, an okay stream. He'd had a, like, three decent starts in a row, so people were thinking it was going to be all right. It was not. Uh, it was unfortunate, but he's someone that you should definitely go ahead and be dropping here. John Gray is another guy who has been dropped, and it was surprising to me that he even came back. I thought that they would just shut him down, but... He struck out five over three and two-thirds, and he allowed just one run that was unearned. Now, I don't think people have too much faith that he can keep it up, I guess. That's why he's being dropped. I wouldn't be running to jump uh, to drop him. His next start will come against the Angels, likely. So um, 
I'm not in a desperate need of dropping John Gray. We've seen about 1,700 teams do it. I'm probably just going to hold on for that start. Obviously, you might be in a position where you desperately just need guys right now and you have a lot of ads and maybe he's expendable. But I think for the most part, I would do my best to try and hold on to, uh, to John Gray. Eduardo Rodriguez, he's also being dropped a lot and it's just classic Eduardo Rodriguez. Five runs on 10 hits Monday. Uh, he's, just, he's just not great. He's really just not great. A lot of people held on for that whole entire period while he was out, which was probably not very advisable. It didn't turn out so well, I don't think. I'd be more than okay with dropping him. He's still on more than 40% of rosters, and he's not really going to do much for you from a fantasy point of view, and even for the Tigers from a real-life baseball point of view. I guess he might get them a better draft pick or something, but I don't think he's going to do very much for their... uh, I guess they're not really trying to win games anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But he's not good. Eduardo Rodriguez, he is not good. I would be pretty damn okay with dropping him. David Peterson, he is going to be moved to the bullpen, apparently. Uh, He could move to the bullpen. They're considering it and putting in Trevor Williams against the Cubs instead on Wednesday. That would suck, but that's kind of just been the way it's gone with David Peterson this season. Value, no value, value, no value, bullpen, minors, majors. It's just been a complete roller coaster. And it's been really hard to roster him and defend him because I have defended him. I, I've, I've been a big fan of his. I think that he's really can be a valuable fantasy asset if he goes out there five or excuse me, every fifth day. But that just doesn't seem to be the way that the Mets are going to use him. So we kind of have to move on at this point. About a thousand teams have dropped him. He's down to 30% rostered. And he wasn't great in his last couple of starts anyway. So I think it's probably a safe bet that you can be dropping. David Peterson is unfortunate, but. That is just the way that it's going to have to go. Trevor Rogers is the next guy who's been dropped a little bit. I would have probably held on. He did well here in the tougher of the matchups in his two-step. He took care of Texas, so you'd figure you'd probably hold on for that national start on the weekend. Like I said, some people are just at the point of the year where they have to be moving on from players, uh, churn out the roster. And I said it earlier, if you're in your championship week and a guy's started, now granted Rogers does start again, but maybe doesn't trust him again in his championship week. That's why these people are dropping him. I'd probably be holding on. Uh, the way he's pitched recently, it's like four, I think, is it four good starts in a row or three? That's three good starts in a row. Next time against the Nationals, pretty good chance to make it four, though. I would be holding on. I think it's a little premature to be dropping him. I do want to talk about a matchup tonight that I'm going to be keeping an eye on before I let you guys go. There's not so much going on in terms of individual matchups. There's a couple of really good pitchers going. I mean, there's one matchup that I think is is pretty solid, but... If you're not going to watch that one, I think Jacob deGrom going up against the Cubs. Obviously, Jacob deGrom is pretty much always a must-watch whenever he's out there. I would think about doing that one. Uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time is when that start happens. But the one that I think overall is going to be the best matchup here on the mound is probably Clayton Kershaw and Merrill Kelly. Now, Merrill Kelly has struggled a little bit recently. It's been up and down. It was a rough start against San Diego, a rough one against uh, the White Sox, and an iffy one against St. Louis. But in that same stretch, he had a really good one against Milwaukee and a really good one against San Francisco. And for the season, Merrill Kelly has a 294 ERA, a 108 whip. He's been he's been fantastic. Uh, between him and Zach Allen over there in Arizona, it's actually been pretty tolerable to watch those games. And their lineup has been strong. They're bringing up prospects. Arizona's a team on the rise, and... I think Merrill Kelly has been a huge part of that. Whether or not he keeps this up next season or not, it's. I think it's probably more likely that he won't than that he will. But he's been fantastic here. Now, in terms of a fantasy start, it's a little bit tricky because the Dodgers are obviously the Dodgers. Typically, this early in the week, I would just say start them all, and then you worry about sits and starts and more additions and subtractions on the weekend. 
it's really a decision that I cannot make for you. It's got to be your gut feeling here because it could be very good for Merrill Kelly. It could be disastrous for Merrill Kelly. I think likely we're probably going to see something between those two, something mediocre, five, six innings, maybe three, four runs with four or five strikeouts. I think that's probably pretty likely. It might be a little bit tough to start him here against the Dodgers, but some of you, for some of you, he's been one of your best pitchers and you're going to be starting him here regardless. So that one, I kind of have to just leave up to you guys. For me personally, I think I would be sitting him here, but it's, it's a tough call. It's for sure a tough call. He's kind of been up and down, but for the whole course of the season, he's been very strong. I'll, I don't know one way or the other which one I would – if I had to pick one, I would, I would sit, but it's, it's definitely, definitely one of the toughest calls uh, that I've seen here in these last couple of weeks anyway. On the other side, Clayton Kershaw. Obviously, it's Clayton Kershaw. He is dominant. He's coming off a start where he went six innings, gave up two runs, and struck out eight against San Francisco. And it's been, you know, he hasn't been on the field that much this season. A 96 innings pitch, 17 starts, but a 262 ERA, the sub one whip. He's been dominant. He's been phenomenal. How many years does he have left? I'm not sure. But while he is going out there and producing, uh, this should be an incredibly entertaining matchup for him in a pretty pitcher-friendly ballpark in Arizona. So Clayton Kershaw should be a pretty popular uh, DFS and gambling play tonight, I would imagine. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for me. I appreciate you guys continuing to listen to the show as we head into the later couple weeks here of the season. I do want to remind you that we will be going through the entire offseason every single day. We will be doing a show. We'll be looking back on all the teams from the regular season, bringing on guests from the different cities around the United States where these teams play, fans of the team to talk about, you know, baseball people, but also fans of these teams to talk about how everybody did, looking forward to next season. We'll do sleepers, we'll do busts, we'll do projections, all that stuff throughout the offseason. So please don't think when, you know, October 5th happens that that's the end of the show. It's not. This is a year-round program. So please do remember that. Hit the subscribe button, download, like, all that great stuff, whether it be on the podcast channel or over on Twitter, where you guys can find me, at JoeOrico99. That is where all of this stuff gets posted out from these podcasts, articles, the works. It all goes out there. So please do hit me up, throw me a follow over there, and go check out Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where more of our stuff will be posted out from throughout the offseason and heading into next year. So guys, that is it for me. We'll see you again tomorrow. Again, best of luck in your matchups. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.